Hello and welcome to FX Talk, an eBRI podcast all about the foreign exchange market, where we break down some of the main news headlines on financial markets and give our take on what these developments might mean for the world of FX. My name is Matthew Ryan, Senior Market Analyst here at eBRI, and I'm joined as always on the podcast by two of my colleagues, our Chief Risk Officer, Enrique Diaz-Alvarez, and Market Analyst, Roman Zuruk. On today's episode of FX Talk, recorded on Tuesday the 2nd of March, we'll begin by talking about the recent sell-off in global bond markets, namely what we think is driving the sharp increase in yields, how the FX market is reacting, and whether or not we think this is the start of a more sustained move. We'll then discuss how the various COVID-19 vaccine rollout programmes have impacted currencies so far in 2021. Okay, so we're going to start today's podcast with what has arguably been the main driver in the FX market in the past week or so, uh, and probably the main talking point in financial markets in general of late, uh, and that is the recent sell-off witnessed in bond markets. Government bonds have sold off rather aggressively since the start of the year, which has driven the yields on those bonds sharply higher. And one of the main principles, if you like, of, of fixed income is uh, the inverse relationship between a bond's price and its yield. So whenever a bond's price decreases, the yield increases and vice versa. And investors have been selling the low-risk government bonds since the start of 2021. If we look at US markets, for instance, and, and the benchmark 10-year Treasury yield, that has risen by more than 50 basis points since the beginning of the year, from around 0.9% to, to around 1.45%. We've seen similar moves uh, in Europe, albeit a slightly smaller magnitude. Uh, Germany's 10-year government bond uh, yield, for example, has jumped back up to around minus 0.3% from minus 0.6% at the beginning of the year. These rubber shop uh, moves have spooked investors in the FX market somewhat uh, and caused market participants to, to favour the US dollar, which has rallied against almost all of its peers. The dollar index is currently trading around three-week highs. And we look at equity markets, they've fought a little bit as well um, as rising borrowing costs put pressure on company valuations and particularly those that are highly leveraged. So turn it over to both of you guys. Firstly, what do you think is driving this sharp increase in yields? Uh, and what do you make of the reaction that we're seeing in currencies to the sell-off in bond markets? Um, well, it's it's. I think the main driver is something that we have been hammering on here in Italy for a while, in that uh, we expect that um, the enormous amount of monetary and fiscal stimulus on the pipeline, uh, and combined with uh, the faster than expected rollout of the vaccines in certain key markets like the UK and the US, uh, is going to combine to really generate some some inflationary pressures. If you combine that with the general with the latest um, openly inflationary turn that we've seen in communication from central banks, the Federal Reserve uh, leading the way, but but not just the Federal Reserve, uh, the, uh, the Reserve Board of Australia, even the European Central Bank, towards um, not only being lack, not not only lack of concern with inflationary pressures, but actually welcoming them and pre-committing to markets to ignoring them and allowing them to 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 develop. Um, I think that has spooked uh, holders of fixed income. I mean, even in the U.S., which has some of the highest rates of any major G10 country, uh, the entire, um, all, almost the entire interest rate curve of government uh, treasuries is yields less than the inflation. Uh, real yields are deeply negative, 
in a context where uh, monetary authorities are going to look the other way uh, explicitly when inflationary inflationary pressures develop, that that is uh, a deadly mix for that asset class. Yeah, I would also think that uh, we are in a particularly interesting uh, period right now and that uh, the short-term driver uh, of the moves in the uh, in the bond markets uh, has a lot to do with the election of Joe Biden and the fiscal stimulus that is expected to uh, be delivered uh, within the next few weeks by his administration. Uh, he announced a fiscal plan worth 1.9 trillion US dollars uh, and this plan has already cleared some administrative hurdles and is expected to be approved by the Senate in the coming weeks. So uh, this is an extremely large package and this will likely support growth in the United States. We already, even before the approval of the package, we have some uh, positive data, especially looking at uh, the recent retail sales numbers. But not only that, we also have some positive news on the labor market front. We also have positive news uh, looking at uh, durable goods orders, so effectively investments. So uh, there is, uh, even before the approval of this package, we have a lot of positive uh, news from the US. We also have some uh, good news from other countries and the prospects of uh, getting the economies back on track look even more real, uh, even despite the fact that the coronavirus is still there and some countries are delaying the reopenings. So I think that uh, what we have seen recently uh, in large part have been has been driven by this uh, narrative and the fact that uh, right now we are at the point where uh, all those uh, things uh, are colliding. So both the positive macroeconomic data uh, and the prospects of a, a fast approval of a really significant stimulus package. And that's why the extent of the uh, sell-off in the bond market has been so significant uh, in my view. Yeah, you know, I, I think that's exactly why we've seen um, this move. I think that's, it's an understandable reaction, really. Investors in a pretty buoyant, optimistic mood. Um, and obviously, if we look at the, the vaccine progress is making very, very rap- rapid progress. Um, and the yielding actually pretty extraordinary and miraculous results, um, particularly when it comes to driving down fatalities, hospitalizations. Um, and there's real hope that we could see um, a sharp reopening uh, or rapid reopening in, in economies later this year. And I think if you accompany that with the, the pent up demand among consumers, many of which have uh, accumulated a large amount of savings during the crisis. And as you said, um, very expansionary fiscal policy, you know, low central bank rates. All this means that inflation expectations are understandably increasing. Um, I think that's probably the main driver as to, to why we're seeing this sharp um, increase in yields um, for the most part. Obviously, investors are demanding a greater level of real return um, for their investment. Yeah. Actually, I think, yeah, the reaction, as I say, the reaction is, is calm slightly. The, the dollar last couple of days has rallied, but, but not excessively. So I don't think the market is, is panicking too much just yet. Yeah, that's uh, that's my my observation too. Is that uh, the the massive volatility that we've seen in, in the bond markets has only partially transmitted so far to other markets. In particular, the FX market has not really been particularly volatile. We've had the, the, the some of the moves that you, you would expect in, when uh, yields spike and there's nervousness in the market. A flight to the a modest flight to the US dollar, which was the best performing G10 currency last week. 
But somewhat surprisingly, also the euro has outperformed against almost every, every other major peer. And the, the yuan uh, leading most of the Pacific Rim currencies, which have also uh, been very stable. It's remarkable, again, in this, in this theme that we've been, that we've been uh, talking about of uh, the Chinese assets becoming, uh, having more and more in common with G10 developed markets rather than emerging markets. Uh, we've seen remarkable stability in Chinese bonds and the Chinese yield curve last week, even as the uh, worldwide bond markets were, were in turmoil. So uh, having this, uh, the euro, the dollar, and the yuan being sort of the, the source of value to which investors flocked last week is, is very remarkable. Yeah, but generally, I would think that we could call what happened uh, on Thursday a mini panic, uh, at least looking at the emerging market currencies. Uh, if we look at the uh, two indices uh, that we prefer, so is, so the JP Morgan and MSCI EM currency indices, uh, on Thursday, they have experienced a sharpest one-day drop since March of 2020, both in nominal and percentage terms. And uh, this is quite remarkable. And uh, the EM currencies... Uh, as a whole, they, they haven't yet recovered from that. Uh, so why is it happening? Why are they uh, so buttered? Well, first, it makes uh, the uh, risky assets, so the M assets in general, less attractive. So if an investor can get more bank for his buck and take on less credit risk, it's a no-brainer for him or her. And second, yields are a proxy for the cost of capital. So if we have countries where entities are borrowing in dollars, then it's going to cost them more, uh, which in severe cases more costs additional insolvencies. Uh, and it doesn't only affect the uh, debt in dollars because the yields are rising everywhere, uh, but to a different extent, because in some countries uh, we don't have uh, as much prospects of a fiscal stimulus uh, as in the US. At least the, the difference, in my view, is related to that. But I would say that what happened last week was quite remarkable and uh, really significant uh, for the EM uh, currency spectrum. What do we uh, what do we think about central banks? Do we think policymakers at the Federal Reserve, ECB, will, will tolerate this rise in yields? Will they becoming uh, will they become a little bit concerned? I think clearly they have already been very explicit that they will not tolerate it. I mean, the uh, I like to follow the Reserve Board of Australia because Australia has been a bit of a laboratory in the past for uh, trying out uh, different monetary policies that then get replicated in the by the larger. Uh, more important uh, central banks. But uh, it was very meaningful that they have a target maximum yield in their in, in government, Australian government debt. And when that when the sell-off brought the yield above that level, they unilaterally decided to uh, to accelerate the bond purchasing program and and perform a, an emergency purchase of uh, I think it was two or three billion Australian dollars in order to bring it down. Uh, today we had uh, we had central uh, European Central Bank officials uh, propose a similar intervention and and make be very explicit more so than the Federal Reserve about that the lack of tolerance for higher moves in yields. So I think that we're a bit we're we're, we're going we're, we're going we're an uncharted territory here. We have not seen uh, situations in which, in a context of general market stability and economic recovery, and and generally optimistic prospects uh, as we have now, 
central banks um, decide to to not tolerate increasing yields and back up that uh, their the lack of tolerance with uh, what amounts to massive money printing in order to keep rates low. I think that it's difficult to make predictions as to what the will, result of this will be, but uh, the, the combination of of uh, post, generally positive uh, news on the economic recovery with intolerance for higher rates, even though those rates are already at extremely low levels, is is unprecedented. I think it's going to be very interesting uh, how markets react in the next uh, few months. But um, my guess is that uh, this can only be positive for risk assets. I mean, we have uh, major central banks around the world committed to a, committed to a policy of uh, explicit monetization of debt in order to keep yields way below inflation. That that has traditionally been very, I mean, not traditionally because we don't have a lot of uh, experience with this environment, but that has to be good for risk assets in my in stocks, credit, commodities, etc. Yeah, I think it's interesting you mentioned that, that sort of difference in the approach we've seen from the ECB and the Fed. The ECB is states that has tools to suppress yields and is sort of trying to talk down um, this rising in yields, whereas the Fed doesn't seem too bothered at the moment. But yeah, as, as you said, I think if we, this were to get slightly more out of hand, if we get were to continue to see, say, the, the US 10-year rise towards 2%, I think certainly the Fed will have to intervene both verbally and potentially physically as well to try and uh, suppress um, suppress yields. Yeah, I think that considering uh, that the, re- the, re- the reaction to the pandemic, which was extremely different uh, from what we saw uh, 12 years ago, uh, this makes me confident that the, the authorities will not tolerate if such spikes were to happen uh, more often. Uh, and I think that uh, this uh, this should uh, keep the yields down, even uh, that the market participants also should know that. And the Fed doesn't even at this point has to uh, verbally uh, or physically uh, intervene uh, in, uh, in this context uh, for uh, for it not to happen. Uh, so yes, I would, I would think that uh, there is a little risk that uh, something like this will be a uh, occurrence that will uh, that will be uh, taking place uh, taking place uh, on a regular intervals, but something more of an aberration and maybe even a one-off. Excellent. All right, I think we'll move on to our second topic now. Um, and, and that is the, the COVID-19 vaccine rollout and its impact uh, on markets. Uh, and the battle against COVID-19 virus is well and truly underway with most major nations currently in the process of administering doses of the various vaccines to the most at-risk demographics of society. On the whole, this has taken place at a much faster rate uh, than expected and the vaccines themselves have yielded some, some very encouraging results, as I said um, already. We're seeing... Um, very high effectiveness in both reducing the rate of transmission uh, and also the probability uh, of requiring hospitalisation. This has generally lifted high-risk currencies within the G10, the likes of the Australian New Zealand dollar that performed uh, relatively well since the beginning of the year. But, uh, of course, the pace of the vaccine programmes has varied quite a lot around the world. Of the major nations, the UK and US continue to power ahead. The UK has administered more vaccine doses per capita than any other country or major country in the world, around 31 per 100 people. Uh, The US not too far behind on around 23 per 100, whereas the EU has continued to lag behind um, quite a bit and has only administered around about, uh, sorry, 7.5 
doses um, per 100 people. The consequence has been a, a general divergence in performance between currencies from those countries that are making rapid strides towards vaccinating the populations, such as in the UK, and those that are falling behind, referring largely to the euro, for instance, but also emerging markets that are, of course, likely to vaccinate their populations much slower than the developed world. But what do you, what do you both make of the, the, the vaccine rollout so far? Are you more, less optimistic about a reopening of economies later this year? Um, I think that I'm as, just as optimistic as I was uh, a couple of weeks ago, no more and no less. I think that uh, the trends that we've seen continue. Uh, for the UK uh, is now vaccinated about a third of its population. The US is closing in on a quarter. Uh, the European Union is, is lagging, uh, but at least the, the rate of vaccination has not decreased. Um, I think that uh, uh, at the margin, the change from two weeks ago is that the, I expected the European Union numbers to, to improve. Um, you know, the, the speed of vaccination to increase, it has not. It continues to lag the United States and the UK. Uh, I'm surprised that the euro has uh, performed as well as it has, given that that has been the main focus of markets. Uh, and uh, I think that the net change from two weeks ago is that uh, my expectations for the euro rally perhaps will be delayed into the second half of 2021 rather than the summer. Uh, because even at current rate, at current rates, it will, it, the European Union will not have um, achieved herd immunity until later in 2021 versus the UK and the US, which are on track to acquire that by the summer. Yeah, I actually started to get slightly more worried about the situation uh, recently, uh, especially after looking at the situation from last week when we saw an increase in global cases and after uh, focusing especially on Central Europe, uh, where the countries are suffering from a third wave of infections uh, currently. So I hope this will not be a scenario for the entire continent and this will not uh, be a scenario globally, but there are some risks on the horizon and they could to some extent materialize. So I really hope that the vaccine progress uh, in the EU and across the globe will, as expected, uh, improve significantly in the second quarter uh, and farther down the road. Uh, because uh, the new variants that are discovered, the first one in the UK, uh, discovered in the UK, seems to have, uh, seems to have spread uh, to Europe. And this is uh, what people are attributing this increase in cases in Central and Eastern Europe to, to some extent. Also, I think people are getting tired uh, of all those lockdowns and they are getting more loose. Uh, so uh, this is also uh, not really positive, uh, especially that we need still a few months to vaccinate uh, the most vulnerable uh, in many places in the world. So uh, there are some risks and uh, I would be uh, somewhat more cautious than I was a few weeks ago, uh, although I still have great hope uh, that the vaccine program progress uh, in the world and especially Europe uh, will be accelerated in the in the second quarter. Yeah, I, I largely agree with that. I think, but I think yeah, for me, I'm pr pretty optimistic about the, the vaccine rollout itself. And I think particularly not just the number of people that have been vaccinated, but we look at the latest um, efficacy data, the number of, um, or percentage of um, transmissions that are cut due to the vaccine. I think it's something like two thirds of transmissions are cut 
from the Pfizer and AstraZeneca vaccine also reduces the risk of hospitalization. Some studies as much as 80% or more than 80% just four weeks after the first dose, which is obviously highly encouraging. Um, you know, particularly good news for countries such as the US, the UK, that have made very good strides in its vaccine programs. Uh, I think the UK's um, strategy of leaving 12 weeks in between um, first and second vaccine doses appears to be paying off. Um, I'm pretty optimistic that the UK can reach um, its lockdown unwinding landmarks that were, were sort of set out by Boris Johnson last week, which, while a relatively cautious and gradual unwinding and lockdown, at least it's provided a little bit of clarity and the market's actually reacted pretty favourably to it. Um, my concern, as, as you mentioned, Roman, it would be Europe. Um, we've not really seen um, any significant increase in the pace of vaccinations in the EU. Um, the euro has already been one of the worst performers in the G10 so far this year, aside from the safe havens. I think if we don't start seeing a pretty rapid uh, acceleration in the pace of vaccinations there in, in the next few weeks, um, I think the common currency could come under a little bit of selling pressure uh, in the short term, particularly against the likes of the uh, of sterling uh, and the US dollar, both of which look on course to, to vaccinate the most vulnerable pretty quickly and, and unwind their restrictions um, rather aggressively by the middle of this year. And that just about does it from us. If you're keen to hear more about our thoughts on the currency markets, visit Ebury's website or follow us on social media. And don't forget to rate and review the podcast on your favourite podcast app and let us know if there are any topics you would like to hear more on during upcoming podcasts. Keep an eye out for our next episode in a week's time. Thank you all very much for listening.